Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You cannot split the baby. That's not how this works. And I don't know why anybody is thinking that Governor Eric Holcomb, well, he did this, but he did do that. So therefore, you know, everything is good and fine and terrific. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Standing up for what is right takes standing up for what is right. And that is not what Governor Eric Holcomb has done. He's done less than. Less than his job. Less than decency prescribes. But Tony, he signed the bill. Constitutional carry is now law. How difficult was it to engage the idea of constitutional carry? The Second Amendment says exactly what it says. That the right of the people to keep and bear arms, you know, shall, shall ever last. What do do I need? Do I need to do it full? I'll I'll do it full just to just to make everybody happy. You know, I was I was almost going to go into a Biden thing. I actually changed my mind halfway through. It could be like you know uh, the thing, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Goes on. And on and on. It lasts forever. When I tell you that I have no quarter on the Second Amendment, I mean it. Shall not be infringed is just that. It lasts. And the people who try to put some kind of regulation on the Second Amendment are people who don't believe that the Constitution has value. Because they try to engage some kind of impingement upon it, not through the only way you can, which is, of course, the amendment process. The 18th and the 21st being our perfect examples. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Be sure you check that out, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. The 18th Amendment was prohibition. Boo! The 21st Amendment was the repeal of the 18th. And that... Yes! 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 ...is pretty damn awesome. The point is, is that it got debated, it got discussed, and the country said, let's get rid of alcohol. And then it got debated, and it got discussed, and the people said, we're too sober for this crap, let's drink. And that is how you make a change. So when we engage the idea of creating laws to keep people from uh, utilizing their Second Amendment rights, it is, of course, nonsense. It is barbaric because what it is saying is, is that the Constitution can be put on a shelf. Exactly what we saw from those people who looked at a virus and they said a virus Oh, my goodness gracious. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! We can't utilize the Constitution when there's a virus. 
That's that's when you don't have a constitution. You just let so-called smart people be in charge and tell you how to run your life. And trust me, we've heard a lot about the so-called smart people and how they want to run your life. Those smart people are the people like Dr. Fauci who want to get back into a conversation of, well, you know, uh, maybe masks aren't such a bad idea. Significant surge, particularly one that might result in increased hospitalizations. We have to be prepared to pivot and perhaps reinstitute some of those restrictions. I mean, he's already into it, deep into this conversation about bringing us back to mask mandates, as if we haven't learned our lesson. Mask mandates don't work. Mask mandates don't stop COVID. Masks don't stop COVID. But if you want to wear one, well, go wear one. Live your life. Force me to wear one, no. Force my kids to wear one, no. Force other people to wear one, no. Stop being so special. Stop caring so much about me. I got this covered, thank you. We are, are in, in, in many ways lost on this idea of the Second Amendment because we have members of Congress who think they can do something to make us safer. I'm not safer without the Second Amendment. I will never be safer without the Second Amendment. Never once, never ever. And that's why these people need to be pushed back on. That's why they need to be fought. If they're really serious about doing something about the Second Amendment, let them create the amendment to counteract. The process is there. The system works. We've seen it work. So, go about it. But they never go about it because they know they can't win it that way. That's why Governor Eric Holcomb signing constitutional carry, which means you don't need a permit. And I agree, you don't need a permit from the state to have your rights. There's, is, there is still a background check that takes place. But you don't need a permit from the state. You can still get one because that, uh, that would let you have reciprocation with other states to carry across state lines. So, for example, I have an Indiana permit and I have a Utah permit. I sat for the class. I did the whole thing. Because the Utah permit is much more all-encompassing and allows you uh, reciprocation with, with, with more states in, in, a, in a more full way. Um, but Indiana's been good for me. It's a license to carry a firearm. It's, you know, it's not about concealed carry. It's, it's silence on the concept of, of concealed carry. Right? They're, they're silent on whether it's concealed or whether it's open carry in the state of Indiana. You can still get one. It doesn't stop you from getting one. And I've disagreed with law enforcement, uh, like the superintendent of the Indiana State Police, Doug Carter. Uh, nice guy. He's been good to me. I appreciate him. I'd have a cigar with that guy anytime. I just think he was wrong about this. That's, that's how rational people talk. We're, we, we agree on this. We disagree on the other. We move on with our day. Show me the person who is disagreeing about protecting kids. And I will show you the person who shouldn't be around children. This is why I say, Governor Holcomb can't, we, we can't split the baby, and Governor Holcomb is trying. Signing the law about constitutional carry was the easiest thing Governor Eric Holcomb could have ever done, ever. It was easy. It wasn't even a question. And if it was, how much weaker is this guy than I know? Now, you could say to me, Tony, you're just angry he won't come on the show. Did you hear the latest? 
He's going to Israel and Slovakia. He's, he's taking a, uh, um, a, a trip uh, to try and attract more business. And, and we asked him. My executive producer, Matt Hiblin, wrote him an email, wrote to, to, the, to the governor's office, um, to the press secretary, wanting to, you know, Tony Katz was hoping to, to interview Governor Holcomb about his trip to Israel and Slovakia. We can do it live. We can pre-record. Here's some of the things Tony wants to talk about. Here's an article discussing the trip so you know what we're talking about. Please let me know if Tony might get a few minutes over the phone with Governor Holcomb to discuss. Matt, uh, my executive producer, finishes up by saying, I am grateful for your time and look forward to hearing from you. The response from the press secretary. Hi, Matt. The governor is unavailable at this time. Thank you. We didn't even put in a time. What do you mean unavailable at this time? We didn't say today. We asked if we could get on on the schedule. But nope, Governor Holcomb won't even talk to us. He won't talk to us. He will not address us. No, not, not us, you. He won't talk to me. No, no, he won't talk to you. Even about something that I like what he's doing. So clearly for Governor Holcomb, you're either completely, I mean, that's very Trump, right? You either love everything I do or you're out. Well, I'm out. Because vetoing this bill, House Bill 1041, protecting children, not just young girls, protecting all children. You can't split the baby. Governor Holcomb is just wrong and his logic is, is irrational. So 1041 said that if you're a boy, you play in boy sports. If you're a girl, you play in girl sports, right? That's how you do this. And we're seeing across the country, whether it's this Leah Thomas conversation or seeing in other places, including high schools, where you have boys deciding that they're girls, which they are not, and then wanting to compete. And that is an attack on women in sports. It's an attack on girls in sports, and it's wrong. It is wrong wrong boys are not girls and girls are not boys children cannot decide their own gender and the adults who are trying to push this are among some of the most horrific people out there who support this the aclu of indiana said they were going to sue if uh if uh governor holcomb signs this thing let them sue what are they actually doing? They're, they're suing to say that girls should take second-class status? Because that's what they're suing for. Does no one know how to fight the ACLU? Scared of these people? Stop it. Well, Governor Holcomb is a man who's afraid. Because he decided, his logic stated, that after thorough review, I find no evidence to support either claim, even if I support the overall goal. What's he talking about? He is saying that the claim that we need to protect the integrity of girls' sports and the ability of girls to compete, well, that doesn't exist. He supports the goal, but no evidence to support the claim, so therefore we don't need the legislation. After all, uh, the Indiana High School uh, uh, Sports Authority, right, the IHSAA, they've got rules about this. Well, how soon before those rules are attacked? The legislation was about the codifying, the protecting of girls in sports and the protecting of children because children cannot decide their gender. 
yet the Indiana Democratic Party, yet the ACLU, and clearly way too many in education think that they can. So Governor Holcomb had an opportunity here to sign this legislation and to help protect kids all the way across the board. He had the opportunity here to make sure that we are saying that children can't decide their gender because they cannot. Children should be able to take uh, hormones, puberty blockers, all absolutely not. They should be allowed to disfigure themselves, absolutely not. They're children. Why would you do this to children? Well, the Indiana Democratic Party, it seems to me, based on their statement, is fine with doing this to children. This is Mike Schmuel, chairman of the Indiana Democratic Party. They put out the statement. It's encouraging to see Governor Eric Holcomb tell his party that their culture wars have crossed the line. Signing House Bill 1041 into law would have put the lives of our children in jeopardy. However, this unnecessary debate has set a tone with kids that being transgender means something is wrong with them. It must be said that nothing is wrong, and being transgender is exactly how God created you and is exactly who you are born to be. It must be said? No. Children must be loved and must be protected more of, most often from themselves. The idea, the idea that it must be said is to codify the idea that children can determine their gender, which they cannot. And adults need to protect them. And Governor Eric Holcomb was in the position to protect them. And he said, no, thanks. I'm not willing to go down that road. I'm not willing to stand up for you young girls. I'm not willing to stand up for women. I'm not willing to stand up for children in general. I'm not willing to stand up to the Indiana Democratic Party, even though I won re-election with 60-plus percent of the vote. I'm not willing to stand up to other members uh, in, in, in my party who want to push this kind of nonsense on children. I'm not willing to stand up to the media scrutiny that might call me names and not invite me to a party. The weakness, the shame, the despicable maneuvering of Governor Eric Holcomb in this case. There's a reason I referred to him as Midwest Jeb. To veto this legislation is madness. And already people are speaking out. Already they're saying the thing, Congressman Jim Banks I'm disappointed with Governor Holcomb's veto of a common-sense bill that frankly doesn't go far enough to save women's sports. My hope is that the Indiana General Assembly will meet soon to override the veto and send a message to the rest of the nation that Indiana values women. Uh, I hope they override the veto as well. But this, this message from Congressman Banks, if anything has me saying, ooh, he's taking a look at Governor for 2024. It's this right here. I think we might hear some other people uh, jump in on this conversation. But no matter what somebody does about running for governor in 2024, I want to talk about Eric Holcomb running for Senate in 2024 and just let you know that the answer is no. No. Not without my voice being loud and clear that he is simply unwelcome.
that leadership is necessary in troubling times and in good times. Staying the course, engaging a vision, protecting kids, being rational, and saying that boys are not girls and girls are not boys and men are not women and women are not men is paramount. Amongst many other subjects where you must speak clearly and with focus. And at the moment to do that, Governor Holcomb said no to Hoosiers. And that's why Hoosiers need to say no to him on any future political maneuvering he has. He's got two years left in the governor's chair, and then he can go enjoy private life. I'm Tony Katz. Kamala Harris has now lost her 10th staffer. So we got to ask ourselves, what what does this mean? What is happening here? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Producer Ari, you're a political observer. Certainly, uh, maybe, maybe a little less intense than I. But you are a political observer. You're an observer of people. You see a boss lose 10 uh members of their staff in less than a year what do you think that i'm not going to work for that person i'm like well that's correct that is the correct answer more than anything else it's like yeah that's clearly not a place that i I would probably feel comfortable so the current national security advisor to the vice president is leaving her name is nancy mc mcelderney mcelderney m-c-e-l-d-o-w-n-e-y can't even pronounce it so Philip Gordon will be succeeding her in, in the position as uh, this national security advisor. It's got to be hard to be her NSA, considering that Kamala Harris doesn't read the briefs. She doesn't pay attention to anything at all. That's the argument. That's the problem. She doesn't, she, she doesn't like get involved. She doesn't do the job. It's crazy. You lose 10 people, right? I, I at, at WIBC, I had a reputation for a while of being hard to work with because I went through a bunch of producers. I will say I'm not the easiest person to work with, but I'm not Kamala Harris level. Is that an acceptable way to say it? I want, to, I want to see a producer already respond. Oh, I thought it was a rhetorical. Yeah, no, I, if you, you've not had 10 staffers in a year. No, I, I have not had 10 staffers in, in, in a year. Um, that, that, that is true. Mostly because radio doesn't pay enough to have 10 staffers in general. I don't think I've had 10 staffers in my career. I'm pretty sure that's it. Just face facts. Kamala Harris isn't a good person and can't run an office. Oh, she's also a fool. Are the Colts fools? Matt Ryan? We'll break it down. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Trading Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan. That's what the Colts did. It's a third round pick. It's a huge upgrade. They got a third round pick yeah. for Wentz. And you're sitting there saying at the time, boy, they screwed that one up because they gave up a one. 
or a pick that turned into a one for Carson Wentz, and now all they're coming away is a three. And one of the picks can actually wind up being a two, depending on how much Wentz plays in Washington. And you've just upgraded from Wentz to, to Ryan, and that's an upgrade. Big time. It's a big time upgrade? I mean, that's, that's, that's Rich Eisen right there. It's a big time upgrade? This is our, this is what we're saying? Are we sure? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. JMV joins us from 107.5 The Fan, 3 to 6 p.m., maybe longer. Uh, there's He does a Yacht Rock show. What doesn't the man do? And he had said that if Deshaun Watson of the then Texans was traded to Atlanta, Matt Ryan would come to the Colts. But Deshaun Watson went to the Browns, the most insane deal in the world, yet we still end up with Matt Ryan. JMV, uh... Break down for me why Matt Ryan and not a Baker Mayfield. Uh, because they trust Matt Ryan more. Baker Mayfield, in their eyes, is more of the equivalent of how they viewed a younger version of Carson Wentz, Tony, and how they viewed him. And they view Matt Ryan. And this is still all Band-Aid mode. And to get back to what Rich Eisen, when you played that sound coming back in, all this, all this was to this point, this is Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, and Jim Irsay cleaning up a mess. And having to do it for Ballard and Reich under the circumstances of the owner saying, all right, one and done, one and done for Carson Wentz. You go out, give me a list of quarterbacks that are available, and uh, you go out and bring somebody else in because I am done with this guy. Now, Jim had visions of Russell Wilson, and we all know, Tony, that was not going to happen. Russell Wilson had visions of getting out of Seattle and going to Denver. That's exactly what happened. And then you look at the market as it shrinks. You don't have a lot out there, and it was apparent to them that their target was going to be Matt Ryan. Now, we thought that maybe you connected dots. Deshaun Watson goes to Atlanta, which was all but a certainty last week. Uh, they ended up flipping the script. He goes to Cleveland. You kind of wondered what Atlanta was going to do because, Tony, they're going to be in rebuild mode down there. They just signed Marcus Mariota. They don't care. They're going to be in rebuild mode. So what are they going to do with Matt Ryan thus He's available. The Colts pounce on him as they wanted to prior to the Deshaun Watson deal, and now they're moving forward with the Band-Aid of Matt Ryan. I want to be clear about something you just said because that's the way it looks to me, which is why I brought up Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield, I mean, you could utilize that as a placeholder. There could be other people that we talk about besides him. This is a Band-Aid. This is Phillip Rivers' all over again and the question i think that needs to be asked is when you talk about frank reich head coach chris ballard general manager jim ursay owner of the colts cleaning up a mess how much of this is cleaning up a mess versus how much of this being jim ursay is so angry at how this season ended so embarrassed by it that he allowed his emotions which i i don't i like emotion but he allowed his emotions to cloud the judgment of how you actually move forward with building a team and he made the he reacted too quickly no tony no question about it i mean from what i was told that decision was made on the plane back from jacksonville I mean, he made that decision, one and done, and it's over. That is an emotional decision. I mean, that's the definition of it right there. There is no question. And that, that sent Ballard's world into a spin because you had to sit around and kind of wait to see how all this evolved. Thus, you couldn't really jump in offensively into free agency because you had to wait to see who your quarterback was going to be. Now, granted, Chris Ballard rarely, if ever, jumps fully into free agency, so – 
Uh, that probably wasn't likely going to happen anyway, but they certainly need pieces now more than ever to add to Matt Ryan, and I'm sure we'll discuss that in a minute. But here's what you can equate this to. This is a redo of two years ago. They expected, I think we talked about this before, they expected with that one-year deal of Phillip Rivers, they bring him in, and there's very, to me you can, there's similarities to both Rivers and Matt Ryan, but they wanted to keep him for one year, see what he could do, if it was positive for he and the team, productive, if they were successful. They wanted to bring him back for one more year, thus bridging the gap between them and then their future, hopefully, elite-level quarterback. And at the time, I think if Rivers would have given them two years, they would have Justin Fields, who's in Chicago right now. That's part educated theory and part me just coming up with stuff, but that is my thought. So, fast forward, that's what they're going to try to do with Matt Ryan now. They're going to hope that he gives them these two years of above average, you know, keeping you competitive in the South, because really with the quarterback hierarchy in the AFC now, Tony, the only way you're going to get into the postseason is winning the AFC South. This keeps you competitive within the AFC South and Tennessee. It certainly keeps you relevant. And then the year after this, when they get a number one back, they're going to dive into the uh, draft market and try to find their future quarterback. This is kind of a redo, a reboot. It's kind of a Phillip Rivers 2.0 when it comes to the Colts and that quarterback position. Well, no, it's not if he can get two years out of him. If we had gotten two years out of Phillip Rivers, we're not even in this situation. No, 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 it is. That's a, that, that was their plan. That, that was their plan to do that. But Rivers deciding not to play that second year put them in a spot to where they had to go out. And then Frank ultimately convinced Jim and Chris that, you know, Wentz was the guy. And we all know the story of that. So, yeah, I mean, it is. Here's the deal. All right. The thing, the problem with Rivers, Tony, was you could take away um, a quarter, almost a half of the field, because he did not have the arm strength. He was accurate. He got rid of the ball quickly, which made this offensive line better. You saw last year the offensive line was not any good most of the year, certainly not as good as they're supposed to be, because Carson Wentz you know, would hold it. He would try to find receivers, and then he would escape. Matt Ryan has zero escapability. But he uh, does have a stronger arm. So that part is better than Rivers. But, yeah, it is It is kind of a Rivers reboot. They hope to be able to contend for the AFC South, thus getting them in the playoff picture while remaining relevant and then in a couple of years finding that long-term future quarterback. And, Tony, it's really the best they can do out of the mess that they had made. Talking to JMV from 107.5 The Fan, 3 to 6 p.m. Check him out then. I have nothing against Matt Ryan. I actually like uh, Matt, Matt Ryan and, and think that he is an above-average serviceable quarterback at this stage of his career. Talk to me, you know, uh, I, I, talk to me about the, the arm strength. Talk to me about what kind of quarterback he is. And then let's recognize that we don't have enough wide receivers or tight ends for him to throw to. So what the hell is he going to do? Um, well, hopefully not run for his life or be sacked a ton. He was sacked a ton. Here's what stood out to me. Like, everybody was saying, hey, listen, once he gets to, you know, this great offensive line, this Falcons offensive line last year was horrible. But we talked to somebody from Pro Football Focus and all these nerds crunch numbers and stuff. And, and we talked to him yesterday, and they said, listen, actually, in pass protection, the Falcons had a better season a year ago than the Colts did. So that's something that they're going to have to sure up. And the issue they're going to have, Tony, is they don't have a left tackle right now. Their left tackle, if we were going to presume somebody the starter, is going to be Matthew Pryor, who they re-signed last week. I think he has one start and left tackle in his career, or certainly his career with the Colts. 
So to me, you got to find something in a place where there's nothing out there. You have to find a wide receiver and a tight end in a place where everything has been picked over. You have $16 million left to try to spread around. And, oh, by the way, when you traded Rocky Asin last week, you did open up a gap in that secondary when you get Yannick Ngakwe in here at the rush in position. So you have a lot of things that you need to fill gap-wise. And all of a sudden, that $79 million in cap space is shrunk all the way down to 16 And really not a lot of money and then not a lot of options out there because once you got Matt Ryan in the picture here, a lot of free agency-wise, those positions were picked over. Talk to me about the kind of quarterback he is. What is it that Colts fans can expect? Decision-making, better decision-making. Remember those times when Wentz would run around and you know throw and then try to throw with his left hand and crap like that? You're not going to get that. And I, I think these guys, Tony, I think you're right. These guys, to me, production-wise, right? Production-wise, they're relatively the same. But they think decision-making-wise is the key here. And they believe his decision-making is going to elevate this team more than what Carson Wentz could in year number two. I, listen, he's been in a place for a long time. He probably wants to go out on top. I mean, maybe he's re-energized about this. But, yeah, you're going to get a 36-, 37-year-old quarterback in here and to me, you're probably going to see likely a lot of the same of what you saw in that one year with Phillip Rivers. But they feel that not only they still stay relevant in an AFC full of quarterbacks now, but also give yourself a better opportunity to win the AFC South because likely in the AFC playoff picture this year, that is the only way a team from that division is going to be invited is to win that division. Agreed. I wholeheartedly agree with with that. And there's going to be a question of what do we consider to be success uh, this year. So let's ask it this way. (laughs) All of this maneuvering to be able to drop Carson Wentz's insane contract to pick up Matt Ryan. Now the question is, what denotes success? and, And success I see this way. What keeps Frank Reich in his job and Chris Ballard in his job this season? Um, winning the AFC South. I, I think that, to me, and this is just my opinion, that Frank would be the first one to go. I don't think either of them are going to go anywhere unless this season is disastrous slash embarrassing. We, we have seen now what happens and how the owner reacts when he feels embarrassed. So an, an embarrassment of sorts. I think the head coach goes first. I think they hang on to Ballard. Um, I don't think he's going to go anywhere, although the seat, I guess, would be hotter for him than it ever has been right now to turn this thing around. And, and Tony, you got to win the AFC South to get to the postseason, and that's, that's the big picture right here. Um, and here. Here it is. Like, you're throwing a party, right? And I know you're cool, and you have all your party friends, and you're down in all this bourbon, and you go a little bit overboard, and you yak all over your carpet. You, you clean that up, right? And it looks really good after you clean it up. That's essentially what has happened here. I mean, they puked on the carpet and then they cleaned it all up and hope that it looks better now than it even did prior. So we'll see if they're able to win that division. And Hey, listen, tell me the other thing about Tennessee. You look at Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill is in the same neighborhood as, as Matt Ryan here. I mean, all these guys we talked about, whether it's Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz or Jameis Winston or Kirk Cousins, all these guys are in the similar around the 15 rank quarterback wise in the NFL. So Ryan, We'll give them a fighting chance within the division. Tennessee went out and got a wide receiver and a tight end, which is exactly what the Colts need to do. But Ryan will give them 
the way they feel more of a puncher's chance within the division. And I would think they could do that. And we'll see if he's able to hang on and, and the offensive line plays better and can protect him and they can find some, some more weapons because that is certainly needed now more than ever. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what kind of parties you attend with bourbon, but if you're throwing up on the floor, you're drinking bad bourbon, or you're at the wrong party. <laughs> no, yeah. When's the last time you barfed at a party, Tony? Never. How far back we got to go? Never. 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 Seriously, I've been drunk You've once never in my drank life. Too much and barfed. I've been drunk once in my life. I I, I am a man in control of myself. Oh, really? I, uh, yes. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> Who is surprised by Wait this? No one. Well, that's just that's the what I thought. Last rolled in because. It's, I, I think I've barfed on my own carpet a number of times. It's like a rite of passage with me. That's like yeah, Wednesday. Well, well, you know what? Um, we're, we're different. <laughs> this is what I've always known. JMV from 93.5107.5, uh, the fan, 3 to 6 uh, p.m. Uh, JMV 1070. Is it JMV 1070 or 1070 JMV on Twitter? At JMV 1070 on Twitter. Live there local, late breaking, Tony. F- what was that? Live local and late breaking. That's those old news terms back in the day. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Live, I don't know anything about those breaking. either. That and puking, I don't know anything about. JMV, good to be with you, man. Appreciate you taking the time. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Day two of the hearings for Supreme Court Justice Katanji uh, Brown-Jackson. No, Takasi Jackson-Brown. No? Brown-Jackson. I was right the first. Dang it. I like. I had to tease myself. It's an alphabetical order. It's Brown-Jackson. Oh, man. Come on, cats. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. It's been an interesting hearing. It's been an interesting hearing because you've got a series of things... Uh, happening. I mean, there, there's the, um, you know, Lindsey Graham walking away uh, thing and a back and forth with Durbin. As long as they're dangerous, I hope they all die in jail if they're going to go back and kill Americans. It won't bother me one bit if 39 of them die in prison. That's a better outcome than letting them go. And if it costs 500 million to keep them in jail keep them in jail because they're going to go back to the fight look at the freaking afghan government it's made up of former detainees at gitmo this whole thing by the left about this war ain't working let me also note that larry thompson who served as deputy attorney general under president george w bush or in and then then dick durbin's trying to clean it clean it all up i mean it was it was it was something but I thought that this from Lindsey Graham was pretty interesting. Uh, do you know Janice Rogers Brown? Yes, I do know her. How do you know her? She was a judge on uh, the court that I now serve. We didn't overlap, and I'm struggling to remember whether I ever met her, but she was a, a judge on the circuit court. Right, and you were a district court judge, is that right? I was, but I don't know whether she had I think you were. Are they, are they in the same building? They are in the same building. Okay. They are. So you really don't know her? I know of her, yes. Okay. What do you know of her? What's her reputation? Um, I know that she's a very well-respected judge on my circuit. Okay. And then he goes into 
Did you know that Democrats, including Joe Biden, actively filibustered Janice Rogers Brown because she would have been the first black woman to be on the Supreme Court and Democrats didn't want that? And it was more important for them to be able to say they put the first black woman on the court than to have good black women on the court. So they stopped a black woman from being on the court. It's pretty interesting. And as for that um, bit from, from from Lindsey Graham, right? It needs context, and we and we shared uh, the, the the context earlier to to the best of my ability because I'm not. You, you guys have heard me. I'm not just sharing the whole thing for these uh, Supreme Court hearings, the uh, the confirmation of uh, Judge Brown Jackson. I'm I'm not doing it. There's just there's just no way I'm doing it. All right, this is this isn't Kavanaugh. But holy cow, people are like, oh, look at Lindsey Graham acting like a baby. Oh, my God. Dude, there are some people who are just paid to be awful. I don't know how they do it. Like Aaron Rupar on Twitter, that dude's paid to be awful. I don't know how people live their lives like that. What is it? How do you get moved day in and day out to just be that angry and vicious and crappy? I'll be breaking down things uh, tomorrow, more of what I took from the, the hearings uh, today and going back over things. Again, I think she's going to get confirmed. I figure 57 votes. It's my take right now. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find it all at TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.